0: I guess I have to contain my natural excitement a bit. So to be quiet and to listen because what my job is is to hear between the words and to say, "Oh wow, tell me more about that." It's a lot of deep listening and just profound um, well, respect for their process and gratitude that they would in that they are involving me in their process because they're letting me in even if I'm not in the ritual. I'm helping them plan it and probably gonna check in with them afterward to sort of get a debrief on how it went. So they're really letting me into their heart and they're letting me be with them while they're unpacking this thing that's very personal to them. So it's a it's a, like a big responsibility and I feel very honored to be part of it. And I feel most empowered when I feel like I'm not doing it alone. I'm maybe being witnessed by people, listening to this thing I'm sharing or watching this thing I'm doing and they're with me, you know, they're hundred percent with me. They're like linked up with me, like energetically in the space. If I feel like I'm like connected to spirit, to ancestors, to, you know, in my case, to the goddess or all that is, well, then I feel like I'm, I am not alone. <laughs> and that, that is very, very freeing and comforting. My name is Colleen Thomas. I'm a ritual artist and an independent audio producer. I'm based in the San Francisco Bay Area. The um, materials that I work with are time and space and elements. It's intentional space, often with a sacred space of some kind created, or an intentional space, I could say, because it's not always the the words sacred and religion kind of go together. And it doesn't, rit- ritual doesn't have to be religious. Think about when I, when I graduated from Brownies, you know, they had words that they said, like, and now you have blah, 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 blah. You know, they said words, but it wasn't all words. They actually had us walk across this bridge, the bridge to juniors. They like built a bridge, this tiny little bridge, and we all walked across it. That was like a, a tiny, tiny ritual, right? We had the rite of passage and we physically did something that marked it that told our unconscious, subconscious, don't know which one, you know, that like this has happened, you know? And we, ch- we, in my opinion, we became a different person in a way that we maybe wouldn't have if somebody had just read a bunch of, you know, congratulations, bounties, you are now juniors. Ta-da! You know, like that would have been a whole different experience than standing up in front of everybody, walking across this bridge, stepping into a new place. It was a very secular (laughs) ritual, you know, and it it wasn't, and and they didn't make a big deal and invoke any gods or goddesses or anything, obviously, but, you know, like it was an intentional space, like parents came, it was like there was a program, it was like, this is the purpose of this gathering, you know, it was like, it was a ceremony.
1: Welcome to Material Feels, where we explore the intimate relationships between people and the materials they have fallen in love with. I'm your host, Katherine Monahan. Just a heads up, this episode is a bit intense. Ritual and ceremony is a deep topic. It can bring up heavy emotions, and the kind of work Colleen does asks us to go to a vulnerable place. You might need time to process during or after, so I encourage you to press pause, jot down some thoughts, listen with a friend, and Maybe give yourself some extra time after listening to decompress. The interview with Colleen was recorded on Ohlone land in Oakland, California, and this episode was produced on the traditional territory of the Kumiai. Kumeyaay. The Kumeyaay's territory has incredibly diverse geography in the state of California, stretching from the coast to the desert, with valleys and mountains between. The Kumyae have an intimate knowledge of this topography, their cultural practices in tune with the seasonal changes. San Diego County has more reservations than any other county in the country. Every time I do a land acknowledgement, I don't just Google whose land I'm on. I take time to read and listen to the voices of the people. Indigenous ways of relating to the material world are sustainable and sacred. As a material feels listener, I imagine you care about those things too. Non Indigenous listeners, please take time to learn about the not so distant history of residential boarding schools, pay a land tax to the First Peoples whose land you occupy, and use whatever platforms or resources you have to bring awareness and take action. Today, we're exploring the materials associated with a creative practice we've all engaged in in one way or another ritual and ceremony. Ritualist Colleen Thomas specializes in crafting rituals for life transitions and co-creating ceremonies that often deviate from the traditional ones many of us are used to. Baby showers, birthdays, weddings, or funerals. Why do people come to you in search of ritual?
0: I connect with people when they are going through a change and they're a little bit lost and they're not sure how to create comfort and create meaning and create perspective. You know, it's like things happening to me is sort of the theme, right? Like I'm suddenly going through a divorce or, um, or COVID is suddenly here. <laughs> and what are we gonna do? I did some rituals with friends about that. And um, Betty Ray said on my show, uh, Shane Pinata, that rituals create a space that helps us create a container for the strong emotions that come with transition. For me, the planning of it is almost as good as the doing. And the planning, in my experience, takes a lot longer than the, the actual doing the ritual, right? The doing the ritual could take an hour or something, but the planning can take weeks. So a lot of the shifting and the making sense of the thing and the coming to terms with the thing and the what is this gonna mean for me and what are all my feelings about it and what are what do I wanna do with these feelings? Do I wanna express them? Do I wanna be angry and throw things? Do I wanna, you know, curl up in a ball and you know whatever they are right playing with those feelings working with the feelings that all happens during the prep it's like giving ourselves time to really let this thing be um, what it is and to take up space and to not just be like an inconvenience we shove aside but like this is important this transition and how I feel about it and how I'm reacting to it all the positive and negative ways I might be reacting to this you know they're all valid and So it's like creating space for that, especially like if you and I were in a process together, creating something for you, like I would hope I could be there for you as somebody you could explore that with to whatever degree you wanted to and just kind of be in that space with you. I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm just maybe giving you options, just being there with you, giving you some ideas, and then you can figure out exactly what you want. When we do the prep work and we feel into what what will the the hour long ritual say it's an hour what will that do for us what do we want that to do for us how do we design that so it does the thing you know it's a safe container or we get the rage out or we're witnessed for this or we walk across the bridge or whatever we're doing right like we figure out how to engineer design it so that it it maximizes the potential of that happening and then if that's done well and if everything goes to plan and you know ritual's got its spirit's got its own way and its own agenda so who knows what'll happen in that moment there most likely will be some kind of change or shift or transition transformation and then afterwards there can be just a feeling of you know release often a sense of vulnerability because we were Vulnerable, and we told our truth in front of people, you know. And um, sometimes when I tell a very personal thing or a deep thing or something, a couple layers in my heart or whatever, I, I start shaking afterwards. And sometimes I don't even know I've done that until I start shaking. And then I realize, okay, that was a, that was a, you know, vulnerable thing that I just did.
1: But wait, you say, this is an art materials podcast, is it not? Why are we talking about ritual and intentions and all this abstract stuff and not oil paint or clay or paper? I see ritual as an art form. And with every art form, there are materials and creative practices that go into it. Depending on one's faith, culture, personal choices and intentions, the materials for ritual and ceremony are vast and varied.
0: Are there particular materials that you are drawn to the intentional container intentional container can be created by like reading a poem or taking a breath or having a moment of silence it could be reading the lord's prayer it could be anything it but it doesn't have to be religious offerings are always the first thing (laughs) you know um making an offering of whatever that is it could be words it could be a prayer um it could be uh water flower petals whatever we would like to give back to say, you know, you, spirit, you've come to be with us and we want to honor ancestors, whoever, we want to honor you. Some of the intentional objects to create the space, which, um, again, most of my experiences from the pagan community, which invokes the elements and the directions. Objects such as feathers or incense for air, um, salt or earth for earth, water, a bowl of water for water, um, and a candle or, and, you know, uh, an electric candle, um, or an image of fire for fire. Symbols of, of the numinous of God, a goddess or God, like statues, Murtis, images, mandalas, makes it a, you know, honoring of, you know, the, the thing that is, uh, spirit to us or nature or not spirit for people who don't, Who don't connect with spirit. Honoring the ancestors is another big uh, piece of my practice. And so, you know, images of the ancestors, journaling and art supplies can help us, you know, um, process stuff and also remember what happened, create something to take with us with a new intention. And music can be very helpful, it can put us in a different space.
1: Colleen identified time and space as her core materials, creating a container for people to engage with deeper emotions, imagination, and connection. Then there are a range of materials that go into building out that container into a ritual or ceremony specifically designed for you. She also talks about invoking the elements, and I am intrigued. What is invoking though? How does one do that?
0: I do that with rescue remedy, <laughs> you know, the five flower formula that is, um, that is a homeopathic remedy to deal with stress and trauma. When I don't have it with me, I just kind of invoke it. I just say the five flowers in that, you know, in that remedy, I just, I need you right now and I need you to come and help me calm down and be in this moment and just kind of invoking them in my mind and with my heart really works for me. It, creates, it creates their presence. It welcomes their presence.
1: When you were just saying about invoking and inviting, I thought it was really interesting. You, you closed your eyes, um, and you sort of had this different emotion across your face. And I'm, I'm curious when you are inviting something in when you are or invoking or inviting,
0: or, um, I don't know if conjuring is the right word. Um, what does that feel like? Just with you mentioning it, I'm realizing that my body feels warmer when I go into that space. It's not a head space, it's a body space. And it feels like, for me, it feels like a very receptive space. Maybe that's why I close my eyes, because I'm not trying to, you know, see anything or accomplish anything. But I'm just like, instead sort of turning inward, coming to a more quiet place with my eyes closed and usually put my hands out sort of unconsciously, like, you know, um, receiving with my palms open upward i feel like we we each have our own connection to these things and we each have our own connection to different deities or divinity or plant medicine or essence of whatever whatever it is even memories really healing memories can we can invoke and invite and remember them and then they can start to kind of filter down through our bodies and our cells and our bodies can sort of quiet and remember and Do
1: you have a memory that quiets your mind or gets you in a certain state? It's kind of like the happy place we explored a few months back, inspired by paper artist Zai Devecha. Except in this case, it's a distilled memory, like Hillary's memory of riding a bicycle down the center of the aisle in the elementary school theater for a production of Paul Bunyan. For me, I visualize the steps from wedging a ball of clay to centering it on the wheel. Colleen shares more about the importance of the elements and how invoking the materials of water, fire, air, and earth can help build the foundation for a particular ritual.
0: If you're at a ceremony and somebody's calling in the elements in a really um effective way i feel like people start to feel it in their bodies like the way they describe it you know welcome north welcome earth you know um, the land we stand upon the you know the rock beneath our feet the bedrock beneath that the way we are connected to our ancestry and the you know the strength in the mountains and you know the things that they say that the images that they create with their words it, if they do it well I think people begin to feel it. They begin to feel like the bones in their body and the heaviness of their body on the earth and gravity. And, and if you have like a, a bowl of salt, you know, grabbing the salt and or a bowl of earth grabbing the earth, things where you really start to feel it and connect with that aspect of, of that, that element.
2: Material Feels is sponsored by Brown Sugar Botanicals, Oakland's black, queer, and trans-owned CBD company. Brown Sugar Botanicals makes small-batch CBD products infused with herbal ingredients grown by and for resilient communities. Great news. Brown Sugar Botanicals' online shop has reopened with a brand-new respiratory relief topical rub and restocked their classic relief salve for just $15 each. Curious about CBD oil? Brown Sugar Botanicals' popular 100-milligram full Spectrum Tincture infuses organic lavender and lemon balm into organic MCT oil and organic hemp flower. Try our most popular bottle for just $45. In case you want to try it all, BSB's starter pack includes a 100-milligram full-spectrum tincture and two mini salves for just $60. That's 20% savings. Order only at brownsugarbotanicals.com shop today.
1: Throughout the process of a ritual... Or a ceremony when do you feel the most empowered and in the zone
0: i think i feel in the zone the whole time i'm in ritual space especially if i'm not facilitating or having to be in my brain if i can just be in my body you know um and um and i feel most empowered when i feel like i'm not doing it alone i'm maybe being witnessed by people listening to this thing I'm sharing or watching this thing I'm doing and they're with me, you know, they're a hundred percent with me. They're like linked up with me, like energetically in the space, right? I'm not alone. Or if I feel like I'm like connected to spirit, to ancestors, to, you know, in my case, to the goddess or all that is.
1: How are ritual and storytelling connected?
0: I like to use ritual as a place to tell the hard stories I could have you I could have a bunch of people over for dinner and tell them a hard story, but that might then it's part of a social event and it's not all like people get it that it's a really hard story for me to tell. Or if it is, it can be like, oh, that is downer for the evening. Thanks a lot. You know, like it it doesn't always fit like these really intense experiences or stories we could have that we might want to share it's kind of like creating a a place for it, you know, say, Hey, I'm having this event, I'm going to tell this really hard story. And I want people to witness it. I feel like we don't get too many chances to be real in life. Um, So we can create these intentional ones to be really real with each other, you know, and and getting to use all of the modalities, you know, sound and, and, um, and visuals and body and costuming and movement and dance and, you know, altars and, space and time and audience and, you know, all that stuff can be used.
1: There's a long list of reasons why people gravitate towards ritual. I think it helps to think of them in two categories. First, ritual as a private, ongoing way to enrich your life and create stories through small moments. And second, ritual as a more elaborate ceremony, sometimes with others involved. For processing hard emotions and to find a sense of peace and belonging, Colleen gives me an example of how a small ongoing ritual can make a big difference.
0: Um, I have a lot of intentional jewelry that you know is was given to me, like the moonstone I'm wearing today. It's it's this big round moonstone, and I didn't give it to myself at a ceremony or anything specific. I really bought honestly, I bought it because I read The Mists of Avalon a long time ago and fell in love with. Uh, there must be a Moonstone, I don't even remember now, but I just was like, I want a Moonstone like that. And then I saw it at a store in Denver. It was a beautiful piece of Moonstone and I put it on. I'm currently um, in Ohio helping my mother through some health challenges. And I when I packed, I was like, I'm taking the Moonstone, even though I haven't worn it for years because it helps me stay calm. It really helps me be, have an inner calm heart. And so like every morning I put this on and there's no choice because I only brought the one necklace. So I put it on every morning. But it's like this is part of my calmness for today. Creating
1: stories through ritual with jewelry, a morning intention setting for starting the day, or an evening ritual for closing the day, I find these to be relatable ways that ritual is already present in my life. When I record narration for the show, I put on specific jewelry and clothes that make me feel most like me. I do my hair in a special way. It is a performance even though nobody is in the room with me. When I used to go out in the before times, I have these six bracelets I always put on, three on either wrist, and four of them are passed down from my grandparents. I feel that these bracelets are both protecting me and cheering me on, and whenever I look at them, I'm reminded of my grandparents. So what about the other category, the possibly public, more elaborate rituals to process emotion and craft a story in times of transition, celebration, or upset? Most of us are familiar with these in the context of major life events, birthdays, weddings, funerals. And often, these ceremonies are tangled up in religion. Little disclaimer, I was raised with very little exposure to religion. I consider myself pretty secular. In fact, I have a bit of a bias against religion. And so I felt that it was necessary to learn more and check it. I asked Colleen about the role of religion in ritual, and she mentioned the name of a guy I had never heard of, Matthew Fox. He helped found something called creation spirituality, a Judeo-Christian religion with a lot of crossover with psychology, feminism, art, physics, and there's a lot of reverence for nature. Colleen tells me about Fox's techno-cosmic masses, essentially ecstatic dance parties that started in Oakland and are now held globally or were before the pandemic. It's a sort of remix of mass designed to build community and connect people to a visceral, ritualized celebration. She shares a bit more about how engaging with techno-cosmic masses inspired her and her now husband to co-create their wedding ceremony.
0: There is something about you doing something with our body that um, connects to our spirit renegade theologian, Matthew Fox, um, who has this uh, wonderful event called the Cosmic Mass. I volunteered with the Mass, and actually we, uh, with his permission, used it to, to create our wedding. And in spending a lot of time with the Mass, I, I realized, and I spoke to Matt about this, I said, you know, it's, it's really hard to explain the mass to people. It's like, it's this really, really involved, intense experience to go to a cosmic mass. There's dancing um, and um, there's worshiping and there's, it's very embodied. And it's very difficult to explain it. Like if I showed you a video, you'd get a little more. If you went, you'd get it. Right. So when we were basing our wedding on the cosmic mass, we ever said everybody come to one because they were having them regularly come to one so you can get it in your body what this is. And working with him, I realized, okay, the reason it's so hard to explain it is because it's not a head experience. It is a heart and body experience. And to me, that's where ritual is powerful. I'm not a heady person. I get really lost in, um, you know, uh, academic texts. I need to touch stuff. Yeah, and your show is so wonderfully based in like things we can touch and do things with, right?
1: My ears perked up when she was talking about bodily experiences and touching stuff. I so relate to this when it comes to the art world. I get very lost when theory is the topic of conversation, or if there is a minimalist piece of art on display in a museum and with a with a scroll of writing that I need to internalize in order to understand the artist's core impulse. I'm most present when I can engage with materials that are mutable, materials I can hold in my hand and squish. Learning about the cosmic masses and remembering Colleen's early memory of graduating from Brownies and crossing that bridge, I understand that while ritual and ceremony might seem synonymous with religion, the terms can live more freely and intersect much more with my own spirituality when I think about them in terms of visceral bodily experiences. Rabbit hole moment. I was curious as to why ritual plays a bigger role in some societies rather than others. Since the U.S. is so heavily influenced by the OG colonizers, oh hey England, I learned about the impact of the industrial revolution on holidays and local festivals in the UK during the 19th century. Within a three year span, bank holidays went from 36 down to four. The time spent off doing the rituals was seen as a loss in profit. So the calendar got changed. Engaging with rituals shifted from the public sector to something you were expected to figure out on your own time. Commercialized entertainment became the norm. Sporting events, theaters, and circuses grew in popularity. Sundays became the mandated day of worship, and in growing urban centers where conditions were not super sanitary, communal enjoyment found a home at the pub. You know, a lot of uh, beverages with about 90 proof disinfectant infused. It's uh Safer to drink a gin and tonic than a tonic. Traditional and cross-cultural rituals and ceremonies have to interface with capitalism, fought for by certain groups, forfeited by others, traded in for maximized profits and Sunday mornings, with approval from the dominant religion. If you're off celebrating the moon and performing rituals left and right to process your feelings and build relationships, when will you have time to make and spend money? Wait. Is engaging with ritual and ceremony anti-capitalist? Am I secretly a priestess? Okay, one last rabbit hole. There's also a history of mainstream media demonizing ritual and ceremony, making it seem spooky or evil. Anything pagan, witches, there's a whole thing about apothecaries and home medicine. Ooh, demonizing the natural world is a thing. Don't get me started on the history of parks in the US and the way nature is seen as a wild female in need of taming, or should I say, domestication. So many connections for another day. Where were we? Colleen and I discuss materials and practices that might be used for four different types of rituals. Rituals to build connection, to separate from something that needs to be let go of, to bring in newness or set an intention, and for dedication and commitment. First, connection.
0: So I would say materials for a ritual of connection might be a cord, cords that can be braided together, things, obviously things that can be connected. Um, gosh, I guess you could even use like Legos or like bristle blocks or, you know, anything that anything that you could physically put together and build, build something on. I can imagine a family having a, a ritual of creating a family or blending families where they're actually like building something out of Lego, you know, like, each family has a color or something, and they've just built something together out of it. That would be, great. that'd be kind of fun.
1: Oh, I love that. I'm from a blended family. So I'm like, oh my God, we should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: would, that would, and then you could just keep it and it could be like, oh, that's an interesting Lego artwork. Oh yeah, that's about our families coming together, you know. Separation and release, often the ritual tools um, used for that or the materials would be things that would, you know, cut, So, scissors, maybe again, a cord to symbolize the connection, maybe unbraiding a cord. Um, I've done several release rituals in my life that some felt like cutting was appropriate and some felt like unbraiding or unweaving was more appropriate.
1: Then we talk about new seeds, rituals to welcome new chapters, set goals, or invoke different versions of ourselves.
0: A lot of people plant an intention at the new moon and sort of harvest it on the full moon. And you could do it on the winter solstice and the summer solstice. And a practice that I had for a while, my husband and I were doing it. We got some soil, we got a bean, put it in with an intention, watered it every day. And then after two or three days, you know, you see some shoots. Um, and, and I had a bean that was, the intention was trust. And it actually grew like crazy. And it was like growing up the wall and across the ceiling and, we call it the trust bean. It kind of took over the kitchen.
1: Then there is dedication.
0: Well, probably rings would be typical um, in terms of like a, a marriage would be typical. It's fascinating to me that people walk around wearing things that identify the vows they've taken, right? Like, like, you know, I'm wearing a wedding ring and I also have a self-commitment ring for when I married myself. They're very different in my mind. And People might guess what the wedding ring is. They might not guess what the other one is because that's a less common ceremony. But if, you know, I saw somebody wearing a, you know, a, a nun outfit or a preacher outfit, you know, I would have a sense of where they're, you know, you know, like it's like you, you it's publicly claiming done this thing. I've dedicated myself in this way and I'm not hiding it.
1: What rituals are you drawn to when you hear about all the different kinds of materials and intentions and processes? What rituals are you already practicing and you maybe didn't even realize? I'm drawn to one in particular, and I think it has to do with my own stuff, as one might say. My own emotions and issues that I need support with. I'm most curious about separation the ability to let go of something, to set it down. But when I try to identify what I want to separate from, I can't land on a person, place, or thing. Sometimes I just get overwhelmed by everything. I'm going to pin that thought down for later because often when we first identify the problem we want to solve, we're actually looking at a symptom, a red flag indicating that there is something else beneath the surface. Colleen talks about how often you have to go deeper to find the need hidden in the pull to craft a ritual.
0: I think it's it's finding that need, finding what wants to move and what it needs to move. And that might sound strange, so let me say more. So if, if I'm feeling unhappy about something and I'm realizing that I need to have, I wanna have a ceremony about, let's take a concrete example. Let's say I've I've lost my job and with it my sense of self. That 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 beginning process of figuring out what needs to move. Like there's grief, right? Okay, there's grief that needs to move. That's clear. Um, maybe there's other stuff. You know, that's like the journaling I talked about. Like you know, finding out what's in there, what needs to move. In my mind, it's kind of like there's. There's discontent and hard feelings, and they're they're an indication that we're changing and growing, and that there's emotion that wants to move. And and what we tend to do is watch TV or buy something or not feel it because it's it's like ooh you know and it's all unconscious. We just push it down. There has to be some coping because we can't just run around screaming all the time. Unfortunately, <laughs> so and yet is do we have a capacity to create an intentional space where? where we can go into those feelings and how do we do that right because nobody wants to do that right it's got to be safe it's got to be um we got to know we can get back out of it if we go into hard feelings a lot of us don't go into hard feelings because we think we'll never come out so like what do i need to go into those do i need to be willing um i need to feel like i have support with me so a lot of that pre-work is like feeling into what needs to move hint it's emotion <laughs> and then what does it need to move like what is like i guess those things i just said are what it might need to move like it might need you know i'm i need my best friend with me you know and i need that teddy bear kind of the comforting soothing containery things
1: while colleen was explaining this to me the process of making sure someone has everything they need i started to visualize packing a backpack for a long and arduous hike you need to know the terrain the climate. You need to think about sustenance and hydration. Maybe you bring music, a phone charger, or a book. With rituals, instead of hydration and sustenance, you need tools for creating an environment ideal for emotional safety, connection to yourself, and imaginative play. What would be in your backpack? Colleen shares a story about Betty Ray, a guest on her show, to illustrate how someone might identify a need, pack their metaphorical backpack, and then act on it in ritual form.
0: She went through a breakup, and she was tired of giving herself away to men and to drama, and she spontaneously grabbed her checkbook and a ring, and she went to the top of the a hill in San Francisco that I don't remember the name of. And she went up there and she wrote a check to the guy she'd just broken up with. Um, you know, here's my energy I'm giving you. And she ripped it up. And then she wrote a check to herself and she put it in her bra. And then she she married herself with a ring. That was, and and she basically just like grabbed her checkbook and grabbed a ring and she knew intuitively she needed these two things, didn't know why, went to the top of the hill. Some part of her knew exactly what she needed to do. It was quick. It was powerful and whenever she looked at the ring she remembered exactly what she committed to i always encourage people to give a lot of thought as to who will be involved you know who do you want to have there and sometimes we can go to oh i should have these people because they blah 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 you know or they'd be mad if i didn't but it's like that kind of thinking really can't come into it or can't be where we end because like if we're going to to let them to let the vulnerability happen to let the magic happen to let the transformation happen my style is to get really vulnerable and and that's what i work with people to see if they want to do that too and and then and then that needs to be really safe people you know who won't talk about it later because they're going to know a deep part of us right part of the magic and the power of it can be kind of keeping it that's that's how things are passed down you know, where it's, you don't know everything and it's kind of hidden and that can of course be sort of shady and not good, but also it it does protect the magic of it, you know? So like if we have a very powerful ritual, let's say it's, it's my ritual. If I go telling everybody, which I sometimes do on my show, Hey, I had this ritual and I did this stuff and this and this and that, like, I have to know that that's it's opening that container. So like it's just, it's just important. I always tell people be super thoughtful, mindful of who you invite, and just anything you ever say about the ritual ever to anybody because it opening it up is is goes right to that really vulnerable place.
1: When I start thinking about building my own ritual and choosing who I want to witness it, my stuff, as I mentioned earlier, immediately comes up. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings by excluding them. So I'll I'll just let them come. Yikes, I think the challenges and inspirations you encounter when you design a ritual, much like the process of creating art or building relationships, may reveal more about you and your values and your struggles than whatever actually happened to you to make you need a ritual to get through it. That being said, the life experience you went through or are going through, especially if it is traumatic or disruptive, is likely something that others have been through too. And those spaces where people with shared lived experiences can connect with one another are vital.
0: I had a conversation on a different show about, I don't know that affinity groups is the right word, but the group where the kind of group where everybody's been through the hard thing, you know, like a, like a, like a queer group, where everybody's come out or, um, I was in one of, um, people who'd had a friend murdered survivors of homicide, you know, like, and like nobody... Nobody gets that thing unless they've been through it. And people can have all kind of, you know, empathy and it just doesn't quite get there. But people who've all been through it, like that's, there's a there's a connection there aren't words for and it can be incredibly healing. For me, my experience of having a friend murdered was, it's such a core thing in me. She was a caregiver for me when I was a child. So I think that's even makes it even more of a core thing for me. And it's something I walk around with every day that doesn't normally take my attention too much on a day-to-day basis but is always there and is something that I feel like I can never talk about or never really connect with people about even the people who love me who know the story and who know it's there you know they're a great support but like to be with to be in a group of people who had that similar like hole almost like in our hearts you know and we were able to like um we didn't have to hide it And I didn't have to worry that if I told her story, I was gonna freak everybody out and they were gonna like, you know, leave their body and leave the room. Cause we we could all, it was hard to hear each other's stories but it was like, I'm not worried, I'm gonna take you out by telling you what happened, you know, which was just so phenomenally healing.
1: Yeah, you guys created this like, it's a two way street because you're listening and hearing and being there for them, but they're also like helping you by sharing
0: exactly and we were we were able to meet it wasn't like we were like I feel like I'm separated from you I don't know your experience but I feel like I'm separated from you because like I don't want to tell you that story because I'm like oh no that's too much or you know whatever but like but if you if you had the same experience it's like we wouldn't be separated we would be yeah why do you love what you do because it gives me and other people that I work with a chance to be real and to show up in a way that we don't always get to in life, to create spaces where we can be our fullest selves. And I think for me, creating ceremony, leading, designing, being in ceremonial space is being my fullest self. In, in, in ritual, we're often ascribing a, a meaning to an object. So like I just got this ring the other day, uh, it's it's a it's a gold ring with a circle on it, and I'm wearing it on my middle finger um, of my right hand. And I, I got it because I watched a, a movie that had a man who seemed very confident who had a lot of rings. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I need a lot of rings. That will do it. <laughs> that will help me, which was completely ridiculous. And then I, I looked online and I saw this ring. and I'm like, that's a nice ring. I'll, I will know what to do when I get that ring. And I was so excited for it to come. And I was like waiting at the door when it came and I put it on and I'm like, this is so stupid. It's just a ring. But, but, but I haven't given it like, I mean, that's the meaning it already had. Cause I already built that story up about him. I guess this will tell me what to do. Right. But that's not how I would really like dedicate this ring. Cause I know it won't do that, but I haven't, I haven't given it any real meaning yet. Right. And I could give it um, a meaning like all is well, or, you know, the circle is complete or I'm, I'm calm or in, anything I want. I can. Any object in our life can become a focus for an intention, and it can be private. So I can give this ring a meaning in my mind that you will never know. But every time I see it, I will be reminded of that, and it will help me, you know, deepen into whatever that is.
1: Thinking about ritual as a creative practice makes me think about creative practices as rituals, the sacredness of your tools and materials or the space that you create in, The state of mind where you begin problem-solving, dreaming, analyzing. Whatever your go-to modality, how does ritual and the materials used for it relate to your experience of creativity? I've been working on the show for two years now. It isn't a job. It isn't a hobby. It feels like an ongoing ceremony where I process my emotions publicly with my listeners as my witnesses. And when you respond to me, you text me, email me, DM me, when there is an exchange that happens, my reaction is visceral. It reminds me of how I felt at the artist residency at Freehold, when Ange, Selena and I broke down honeycomb with our hands. My mouth flooded with saliva. It was a split second bodily reaction I can't explain. And I don't even want to explain it. Like Colleen said, It's a body experience. It's also an experience I get when I'm crafting the narration for the show in my head walking down the street and I don't even realize I'm doing it, to when I'm finally holding the mic, my breath bringing the conversation to life with you there on the other end. I feel like I'm not alone. That feeling is both comforting and freeing. I feel both held and released. So what is the intention of this ceremony? other than publicly proclaiming my love to an auditorium of strangers. When Colleen started talking about dedication, talking about how folks of faith wear a certain outfit to declare their commitment to God, I thought about the role of fashion and adornment for the queer community, and my own role as host of material feels. I call the state of mind I get in when I produce the show Brain. All my people-pleasing habits and existential angsting goes out the window I don't feel the need to respond to texts. I cancel and move plans guilt-free to prioritize the podcast. I eat better. I hydrate. I exercise before I narrate. (laughs) I feel fully alive. It sounds like Material Feels is both a dedication and invitation for connection. I want to come back to the earlier pull I had towards rituals of separation, and I want to re-examine it. Maybe you are thinking about a ritual or ceremony you want to craft to move through hard emotions or a transition. Maybe you had a gut reaction to the four categories we talked about. What if we take my initial reaction and split it apart to see what's inside? Going deeper like this uh, reminds me of the values exercise I did inspired by glassblower Deborah Tresco and my therapist loved ones. How underneath one value, there may be a deeper core value pulling the strings and running the show. As Colleen puts it, we find what needs to be moved. Sure, there are things in my life I need to let go of. I'm drawn to minimalism in all senses of the word. Freedom, less attachment to things that drain me. Van life has been a fantasy for, oh, I don't know, three years now? But when I was drawn to separation, it was a pull to separate from everything. I feel overly connected to and burdened by everything. People, places, things, emotions, memories, worries. Through a lot of work on myself, I understand that this is partly because I see potential in everything. Partly because I do not value my own time and energy enough, and partly because I want to be liked. My greatest fear, other than making a mess and wasting food in the kitchen, see Pigment episode for the cashew incident, is not lions, tigers, bears, or even climate change, though it should probably be that last one. My gravest fear is disappointing people and not being liked. And I feel totally weighed down by the gravity of people's eventual disappointment or displeasure with me. To add to the mix, people have rarely told me that I disappoint them. This rarity has me believing that because I've been busting my ass to please everyone for most of my life, it's working. I'm close to perfect. Everything is fine, even though every three weeks I want to separate. From everything, okay, you know, just, just stop existing. Side note: I looked up the word "disappoint." It's Old French, and it means literally to deappoint someone from a position of power. And you know, if if that's what it means, I would like to be deappointed. I would like to be disappointed. And it made me think, what if I what if I let people down on purpose and just like deappoint myself from the delusional position of power that I have foisted upon my psyche? I have such an ingrained struggle with allowing too much in, being too dedicated to too, too many things. So my next thought. You know, is I don't think I can address these recurring thoughts through a ritual of separation. I'm not good enough at separating. I'm gonna go from zero to hundred. That's just I just don't know how to do it. Flexing my dedication muscle would be so much easier. Then I think about the things that I feel I feel pretty I feel pretty good at. It. You know, I feel kinda like low-key I know how to do that thing. Throwing on the wheel and parallel parking. I practiced those two things a ton, and the first time I did those things, I was trash. At it. I wasn't trash. I was trash at it. Just because separation is messy and hard and a bit awkward doesn't mean I can't start now. I actually asked Colleen about this conundrum, and she suggested I feel it out. Explore where the impulse goes. It's such a similar process to working with the material world. I made a discovery, and now I have to play with it. I think that's the beauty of ritual and ceremony for me. It makes the hard things in my mind tangible. When something is tangible, I feel I can understand it. And because ceremony overlaps a bit with performance and storytelling, I can play with it, share it with others, get more information, add characters and ambiance, try it on, turn it upside down, play it backwards. I've started brainstorming what a hybrid ritual of separation and dedication looks like for me, one that allows me to approach and disrupt my own patterns safely. I think sharing hard stuff on air is important, and that is why I shared how dark my thoughts get when I'm feeling overwhelmed. While I feel a bit exposed and vulnerable, talking openly about mental health, in this case, suicidal ideation, is a value I hold dear and it is a tenant of this show. If you've been listening for a couple months now or you listen to some episodes from season one, yes this show is about art materials and creative practices but there is a deep undercurrent that focuses on mental health and mindfulness and reflection. So we may have stirred up some hard emotions of your own with this episode. As a host it's my job to invite you in but also protect you a little bit. And I like the Material Feels community to feel called in and present. So I can imagine that as we've been talking, some of your own stuff has been brought up. This is my formal invitation to check on the contents of your backpack, add in a few symbolic objects, call in an element that aligns with your intentions, and think about where you want to go next and who you want to go there with. We'll be wrapping up season two this fall with the release of another EP from associate producer Elizabeth Delise, who writes our underscores and composes an original piece of music that coincides with each material we cover. Expect a teaser for season three, which will come out next year, updates about my audio art business, CXM Productions, and some fun narrative experiments from the residency at Freehold. Thank you for being on this journey with me. If you would like to support the show, find us on Patreon or donate to us directly via PayPal, paypal.me forward slash CXM Productions. And now an original song by Liz, inspired by the materials Hillary Ray used for storytelling during her first ever artist residency at the Elsewhere Living Museum in Greensboro, North Carolina. Talk to you in October. Bye.
2: me now i know you're gone but i feel you somehow how can you be here with me Soft that I can picture you in cheap chain around my neck. Something soft that I can picture you in. Flash light it's turning dim. Is it, so it Is it so wrong to forget if it makes you happy again? Is it so wrong to forget if it makes you happy again? Is it so wrong to make it up if it makes you happy again? How can you be here with me now? I know you're gone, but I feel you somehow. What did you say? Did you say what you meant? Too many gaps in the memories you left. Didn't know how hungry I was. I'm scared of losing myself Didn't know how hungry I was to know it Maybe I'm just scared of losing myself Flash a light you, you Flash a light Is it so wrong to forget If I make it up If it makes you get If I make you happy Is it so wrong to make it up you happy again How can you be here with me now I know you're gone but I feel you somehow What did you say Did you say what you meant Too many memories you left how can you be here with me now? I know you're gone, but I feel you somehow G chain around my neck I know you're gone, but I feel you somehow